0: I'm off my game today.
4: No, you're not. That's true.
5: People are going to have to start making better content. I think we're going to be talking about
4: this for a long time. When you program for everyone, you program for no one. I think it's that we're a word purpose-driven platform. Like, we're trying to get to substance. How okay. was that? Are you happy with that? Yeah. This is marketing therapy right now. It, is. <laughs> it really is. Yeah.
5: What's up? I'm Laura Carrente. And I'm Alexa Kristen. Welcome back to Adlandia. Laura's in New Jersey today, calling in so close, but so far away. I miss you. So far. I miss you in the studio. So today (laughs) we have Pam Wasserstein coming in um, from New York Media. They own brands like New York Magazine, Vulture, The Cut, The Strategist, Intelligencer, lots of other brands. Kind of an amazing story because what I don't think a lot of people know is that they're a privately owned company, one of the few uh, still around. You know, Pam has been on board for a few years now as CEO, and they've really pushed and she's really pushed the company to think about and get into very quickly uh, digital publishing. They didn't have what I think a lot of companies have, which is creating brands more organically and in the digital space?
4: Yeah, it stands for a perspective. And there's certainly a sort of level of premium associated with that. I think that's reflective in the fact that they just created a paywall in front of their content. Um, They're moving into merchandise with some of their brands. They're thinking about you know, how to take the business offline and really tap into the community and create a closer one-to-one engagement. And so even though the brands, the individual brands, which you just mentioned earlier, are leading um, with their unique sort of perspective and what they're covering, sort of the quality when you step back of what you expect from New York media-backed properties, I think is consistent. And it'll be fun to hear um, that perspective from Pam.
0: So with that, Pam from New York
4: Media.
6: That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic.
2: by visiting musicgives.org. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com.
7: Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers... Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
5: We are back in the studio with Pam Wasserstein, CEO of New York Media, Vulture, The Cut, New York Magazine, what other brands? Intelligencer, The Strategist. You guys have so many amazing brands. Welcome, Pam.
8: Thank you so much. Happy to be here, guys.
5: We're so happy to have you. Laura's calling in from Jersey.
8: Hi, everyone.
5: So, Pam, before we get into the business, we want to talk about how you came to be CEO of the business.
8: Uh, well, I definitely did not start my career in media at all. I was a corporate lawyer uh, for several years, and then I worked in private equity on the investment side. Um, totally different world. Very, very different. And then, well, so for me, I wanted to do something more entrepreneurial, something more creative. I ended up working at Tribeca Film, which right. was, you know, Tribeca Film Festival and um, a bunch of other things things. And I ended up leading corporate development there, stayed for about five years. And then I came over to New York Media originally as head of strategy and then um, moving into the CEO position.
5: So what was the kind of for you, the thought process or the kind of passion that drove you into like, yep, this this feels right. This is right.
8: I always loved media. I was passionate about media, but I was neither a journalist nor an advertising salesperson. And back in the day, that was sort of where the opportunities were in the industry. One of those paths typically, Mm. right? So I think what changed for me was that the industry changed and Mm. then the business changed. And so suddenly there were a much bigger set and frankly, for me, more interesting set of problems and opportunities to start to dig into. So, you know, you suddenly are thinking about, and a lot of them tie to the future broadly, like what, what is the future um, of marketing? What is the future of
5: content consumption? Monetization, Monetization, like new business models. Yeah,
8: for sure. New York was such an incredible Brand that was still fresh and vibrant and had a lot of, I think, opportunity in the digital world. Yeah. And a really loyal, you know, kind of core audience that we could build on. It's
5: a mainstay. I mean, so I would say, like, in New York, the Post, mm-hmm. a New York magazine. <laughs> and you can walk into a New Yorker's home. And you'll see both of those publications. It's a mainstay.
8: Yeah. And part of the opportunity for our business, right, was moving from that kind of traditional in print, we're sort of 400,000 circulation and 40% New York DMA, right? Um, So it does tend to be more regional. And then digitally, we're like 45 million monthly uniques on our owned and operated sites. and you know, quite national and even international. Mm -hmm. What we were able to do when the Internet arrived is kind of take that voice and authority, which was always, through the 50-year history of New York Magazine, sort of ambitious and not really tied or limited to the geography. It was always sort of trying to lead a cultural conversation. But now there are so many new opportunities to achieve that.
4: One of the things that you all are obviously known for very well is covering things that are central to New York, right? But understandably to scale and, you know, reach forty five million people with information that obviously goes beyond what's happening within New York City, what was sort of the reason to move into things like the strategists or intelligence or like what were the insights that said, Hey, we need to expand beyond covering or talking about things just happening? Specific to New York,
8: so that kind of strategic push toward truly national coverage mm-hmm. has been a long time coming. It's been probably twelve years now since we first started um, one of what we call our, our verticals, our our digital brands, mm-hmm. which was first Grub Street, which covers uh, restaurants and food. And Vulture came pretty quickly after that, which covers culture and entertainment. Several legacy print publishers, I think, were more hesitant to publish digitally because, you know, concerned about cannibalization of the print model and so forth. We didn't really have that concern. Concern. Yeah. Yeah. um, For us, it was like, oh, we, you know, our audience loves our cultural coverage. We can do so much more of it, you know, in this environment and like serve our audience better and more with our sensibility take that lens and kind of mix it with Internet voice mm-hmm. and optimize for, you know, digital audiences. So it, it was relatively early, certainly, I think, for legacy print publishers that that we were very gung ho about that. Mm-hmm. And I think on the one hand, there was opportunity to serve our audience. Yeah. Even more. And then on the other hand, the business model encouraged national coverage. So um, digitally, in an advertising based model, typically, local is is a tough, tough business, a tough business, yeah. right? So and even when we started uh, Greb Street, which was more local, local. in its coverage yeah. because it was more service and news around New York restaurant scene, and then Vulture, What we quickly found was that, you know, for sort of the same resources that you could talk about something with more local interest, you could talk about at the time Gossip Girl or Mad Men, something like that, and reach an enormous, really engaged audience and find new audiences. So that was a pretty exciting discovery for us, and we just kept kind of growing, growing and building on that. Yeah. Has
4: that impacted the voice of New York magazine, the need to go national? Do you find yourselves appealing to an audience beyond New York? Do you find that that's changed the way you cover news or politics or style? Or do you still feel that you have a specific lens at which you're covering things?
8: That's a great question. I think our voice is everything, like differentiation in the digital world, I think is everything. And so we we try really hard to stay specific.
5: And true to that voice. Yes.
8: Yeah. And you know that that's how we build real loyalty and connection with our audience. I, I think just going scale for the sake of scale is not ultimately a winning game. You really need um you do need to achieve scale, but you also need a, a loyal, engaged audience. And to do that, your brand has to mean something and continue to mean something over time. There does need to be, I think, a voice and a sensibility. And at least in our case, we're very, very focused on that and kind of think of that as our core asset from which the business follows. People that are in the kind of
5: cultural know, like Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. bring you guys up in their skits. And it's this hilarious thing to oh, me. That was cool, Yeah, Will Ferrell mentioned
8: Vulture
5: when he was on Saturday Night Live. And it's, I think, happened a couple of times where they're like, if you didn't read it in Vulture, then you don't know. Like, if it's not in Vulture, then it doesn't exist uh-huh. or something like that. You know, something to that effect. And I think it's funny because at the end of the day, as a New Yorker, as New Yorkers, we know that SNL is like kind of this, it is the New York lens. Everyone in the world is watching SNL. It's very, very similar to that.
8: Right. Yeah, that's a great
5: analogy, actually. And it's funny because I also think there's this halo of that brand, but then there's a core, that voice and that perspective that no matter where you are, it's not about geography. It's about mindset and mentality.
8: Our audience, I, we try to understand our audience really well and they um, it's sort of a psychographic, right? Yeah, it is. And the voice is also is is not New York the place. it's New York, the idea of sort of sophisticated, smart, witty, empathetic and and that's what we're going for and there are a lot of people who are really hungry for that right now in particular but over years as well
4: yeah so with with a further push into digital you know obviously you've launched podcasts now you are moving on Tuesdays you've also implemented a paywall in front of your content so there's a lot of change and use of technology to obviously both build community, but now also recognize the premium nature, I'm assuming, which is why you have the paywall of the content that you're producing. Can you talk about some of those changes that you're making as we move into 2019 that the marketplace needs to be aware of and sort of new platforms and why the paywall?
8: So our digital subscription, which we launched actually this week, uh, which is exciting. Congrats. Congrats. Thank you. And on the tech side, we largely built it ourselves. We have a custom content management system that we developed ourselves that we actually license and partner with other publishers on as well. And then so we've built our subscription capabilities into that. And it's an exciting next step for our business. It's been a year now that we've been seriously working on implementing the paywall, not not even from the tech perspective, but the messaging and marketing is really goes hand in hand, especially because the subscription goes across all our brands, mm. which is a great value. And part of the theory is that because there is really a tight DNA around all our brands and the subject matter and focus is different, you know, as between Vulture, The Cut, Intelligencer, et cetera, but the sensibility is quite tightly similar. And so if you are a Vulture reader, a Vulture user, you're likely reading about politics somewhere, or you're likely reading about a technology and new ideas somewhere, and you're probably going to love Intelligencer. And if you're not, then kind of tightening to our consumers, the connection among all our brands, I think, helps bring value to them and introduce them to more opportunities to engage with us and engage with these brands that they will likely really enjoy. New York Media mm-hmm. is a pretty unknown brand.
5: You say New York Mag and people are like, oh, yeah, OK. yeah, right. Of course. Right. right. Are you thinking about New York Media kind of that brand coming out more or is it stay in the background? Is it just a kind of more of a business brand and you let the kind of individual publications shine through?
8: So that is our corporate name. It was frankly somewhat of an accidental corporate name, which didn't really matter for a while, it right? It doesn't really. It almost <laughs>
5: still it almost still doesn't matter unless it needs to, I think from a like a business perspective. And it depends on where you're taking it. Yeah. It depends on how you're thinking about it.
8: Well, there, we did have some conversation around our digital subscription, what do you call the thing? If a mm. vulture which now has a pretty loyal and independent of New York mag audience to introduce them to this subscription. What do you call it? And what we decided is to call it the New York subscription. I love that. I think it's right. I think it's simple. And it has, again, it's that lens. Right. So I I think for now, New York media will stay a kind of corporate and not really consumer facing brand. But Mm -hmm. New York is very much a consumer facing brand. Mm -hmm. So that's the way we treat it. Have you acquired any brands that's really been, you've built them? It's been organic. Yeah. Yeah. We did acquire Split Sider, which is a comedy Mm. focused site and really had a passionate fan base in the comedy community. And we incorporated that into Vulture and kind of made it the heart of the comedy vertical within Vulture.
4: So many of these individual brands have followings, right? They have these communities. And one of the things that I've enjoyed watching the brands do particularly New York mag and the cut is the ability to reach the community offline around things like fashion week and some of the events that you curate. I think there's this expectation that sort of you get this insider perspective when you're hanging out with New York mag and (laughs) the cut. Can you talk about that sort of online offline aspect of your business.
8: Look, we are trying to engage our audience and sort of be that trusted, authoritative um, friend for our audiences as much as we can be. and deepen connections. One way to deepen connection and have a tangible relationship with a, a publishing brand is through print. It's not the only way, but you know in, in an ephemeral world to have like a thing, that you uh, kind of snuggle up with and enjoy is is actually pretty powerful. But another form of tangible connection is around events. Uh, we just did a Vulture Festival in L.A. a couple of weeks ago, which, you know, something like over 10,000 people come to, and the programming of Vulture Festival is designed toward the Vulture voice, and it's a little bit, like, witty and quirky and interesting, and we got stars of the vulture universe to come and interact with the audience in bringing the cut to we have a co-production with gimlet media now for the cuts podcast the cut on tuesdays which there too it's like okay how can we deepen our relationship with our audience and be more of a habit for you and be your partner for your life Mm. for a lot of aspects of your life um help you be informed and help you understand the world be entertained all of that who are some people that
5: you're following and things that you're thinking about to expand not just the brands but expand their footprint expand the kind of offline online relationship where you guys show up
8: Our brand, The Strategist, is a little bit different from the rest of our brands in the sense it's a product recommendation site. The tagline is Shop Smartly. Or we have another tagline that's an obsessively curated internet emporium. And it's doing really well and has all these, like, passionate fans who basically come to The Strategist to help navigate internet shopping. Mm. So there, too, we took authority that we had historically – in the case of shopping, New York Magazine from day one in 1968 was publishing something like Best Bets and telling you yep. cool new things to buy, what's a deal, what's what's beautiful. What's different. I'm yeah. always looking for the what's different. Right. Yeah, And that's kind of the strategist's sweet spot mm. um, is there's a sense of discovery. And it should be something typically that you wouldn't necessarily find on your own.
4: One of the trends that Alexa and I have been monitoring for quite some time has been the idea of personality as platform and the idea that communities galvanize around people's perspectives and opinions. How are you thinking about elevating journalists' talent?
8: I think, yes, absolutely, that you know, the individual brand in journalism and elsewhere is is very much a trend and a trend that's continuing. Ideally, there's a mutually reinforcing kind of synergistic relationship between the editorial brand and then the individuals where everyone is made better and offers a better product at the end of the day to your audience. Intelligencer, which recently uh, kind of launched in a more ambitious way, has this really cool homepage experience. You've
5: like Slack integration with the editors, right? Yeah, So you can actually talk to them and find out what they're thinking about certain things that are happening.
8: I'm personally just such a fan of that because in my own life lurking in our editorial slack channels is like is just
3: the phenomenal yeah Yeah,
8: it's so phenomenal and we wanted to kind of bring a piece of that experience to our audience and people seem to really love it also in a time where there's some distrust of media right a thing showing your work a little bit and i think helping our audiences understand what goes into what we do yeah proving out kind of why we do have the authority that we have with our audiences is powerful. What are some of the
4: partnerships that you've executed or are working towards executing that demonstrate where the business is headed?
8: Well, so one partner that we work with in a lot of different ways is Amazon, right? The strategist, which is a truly editorial product, but you know, it's largely an affiliate revenue business, which is sort of fascinating because we're, we're suddenly in the commerce business. Yeah, We've done a lot of you know internal technology work to produce really interesting and useful mm. insights around what, purchase behavior yeah what and people are purchase, buying and then actually we're able to take those insights to our brand clients and help you know them build better e-com experiences or content experiences around their objectives.
4: What are your thoughts on the status of print as a media channel? How does that affect the decisions that you're making on the business side? And what would your advice be to buyers in the market who are you know deciding whether or not that's a channel they want to think about in their media plans in 2019.
8: I do think it should continue to be an important uh piece of a media plan. It's a great brand play and I think sometimes in the marketing mix some advertisers have moved too far, too far yeah. in, down the funnel. Yeah. And you're not going to see the impact of that right away. Yeah. Right. But if you're, if you're really like being strategic about your marketing mix, you need the lower funnel and you also need the upper funnel. We
5: agree with that. Yeah. Totally we agree. agree. We like a hundred percent agree. Um, you know, it's, it's not digital all the time and it's definitely not print all the time, but it's where those things and how you use mm-hmm. those things and the content, right. Obviously matters. But.
8: And people, you know, print subscribers, they really love those publications, yeah. right? And they—they they are an engaged audience. It's a pleasure. It's a treat to, yeah. uh, to have it, kind to... of cuddle up with your favorite magazine. There right? are a ton
5: of digital brands, that you know, not to mention away suitcases like DTC brands who are yes. coming out with their own publication.
8: Yes,
4: I think there's a reason why so many of the businesses still go to the New York Times, still go to New York Mag to create an impact, right? To make a statement and to really create sort of a clear, concise communication that's going to get attention in a way that digital, I just don't think has the ability to do. So yeah. I am all in on print.
8: Yeah, it is. It's a high impact medium, period. For sure. Yeah, I, I totally agree.
5: Pam, what would you kill? What would you buy? And then what would you do yourself? What would you, what would you kill? Some of the
8: self-reporting, mm. -hmm. Fake stuff. What would you buy? For both buy and build, I've been thinking a lot about products these days, bringing new, exciting experiences to our audiences. How can we develop products? Like physical merch? Yeah. Physical products. (laughs) Physical products. Yeah. Yeah. The Cut has done these t shirts Mm -hmm. in collaboration with Amazon. There's a new t shirt every week. We've thought about it as content you can live in basically and Amazon had originally encouraged us to offer a lot of variety and a lot of different SKUs and you know different options colors etc like that's typically how the the playbook for doing well on Amazon and we're really just offering this one thing yeah and it's gone really well to the point where apparently they've been using it as kind of a case study internally like oh (laughs) that's
5: by the way that's brand Right, that's brand. That's right. brand pulling through the funnel. Right. By the way, yes, <laughs> like, agree. <laughs> that's, that's a, it's a great example. Okay, yeah. what would you? What would you do yourself?
8: TV. We're interested in TV. We're um, that's great. Exploiting IP for TV.
5: Pam, if people want to get a hold of you, how do they find you? I
8: think you can email me.
5: I wow. I Everybody,
8: <laughs> get out your pen. Yeah. The
5: pen you bought from the article on The Strategist. Yeah,
8: exactly. <laughs> First go buy a pen from The Strategist and then use that pen to write down my email address. <laughs> it's pam.wasserstein at nymag.com.
5: Pam, this is awesome. Thank you so much for coming by. Big thanks to Pam. Thank you so much for coming by. I think we've been talking about having you on the show at least for a year. So it's been a long time coming. Thank you. Big thanks to Dana, our producer. Everyone at Panoply. Atlandia. we'll be talking to you in a couple of weeks. Full disclosure,
4: our opinions are our own.
7: Did we just invent California?
5: Discover why California is the ultimate playground at
8: visitcalifornia.com.
6: You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. If tonight's movie night is just what you need, make it special with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves.